Well, hello there, Drunk Law School listeners. Welcome to season one bonus episode number two. I know you may not have been expecting that. We kind of faked you out there saying in our last episode that season two would start today. It will start a week from today, next Monday, in the next episode of Drunk Law School. Meanwhile, we are here. Well, not we. Megan is not here. Megan is in a different place, and I am in my kitchen. Uh, And we are going to do something a little different for this bonus episode. We are going to give you an audio guide to making the Love Grows, the original Drunk Law School cocktail recipe that we featured on our last episode. If you haven't listened to that, Cat Covey Briney, American Gothic, The Trap Gun Case, strongly recommend. It will give you the context that you need for this episode as well. And the way that this is going to work, it's going to kind of be like if you were watching Food Network, except it was really bad and hosted by me. Um, No, the way it's actually going to work is you just follow along with the audio guide and pause it while you're doing stuff. And then when you're ready to move on to the next step, unpause it. And we will walk you through all the steps. You will also learn some things about cocktail making and about different kinds of cocktails and how this recipe came to be. I'll give you sort of a little bit of everything. Before we get into that, though, you do need a few things. You don't need a lot of stuff for this. You need the basic ingredients. The basic ingredients are you need some kind of aromatic bitters. That would be Angostura is like the classic example, but any bitters will do. Whatever flavor of bitters you like is fine, and it will just change the complexion of the drink a little bit. You'll need some ginger beer. Doesn't really matter what kind. Ginger ale is also fine. I prefer ginger beer because it's more gingery and has more sort of aroma to it. But if you want to use ginger ale, that's okay. We're also going to need some fresh lime juice. Try to avoid using like bottled lime juice that you get at the store because it will be different than true juice from a lime will be in terms of its tartness and its sweetness and the overall flavors that it has. You can use it if if you want, but if you want to make drinks, it's a good idea to just stock lemons and limes in your house. You're going to use them pretty much all the time. I usually juice my citrus for use. And what you'll come to learn is that the average lime has a certain amount of juice in it. The average lemon has a certain amount of juice in it. And so you can sort of figure out how many drinks you're going to make and how many lemons and limes you're going to need. The general rule is that a whole lime and a half a lemon each contain one ounce of juice. So if you know that, you can be like, oh, my drink needs one ounce of lime juice. Boom. I'm ready to go. I'm going to juice one lime. And if I'm making four, then I'm going to juice four limes. And it's pretty easy from there. So you're also going to need some whiskey. We use rye whiskey in this recipe, specifically Templeton rye which is from the state of Iowa, where Megan is from. I quite like it. You can use bourbon too. I think rye is a better choice for this because it is not quite as sweet and doesn't have as many vanilla notes as bourbon has. That's going to be a better choice ultimately because we're going to add those more sweeter elements in different areas of the drink. By contrast, if you're making a drink that doesn't have like a lot of syrup or maybe some ginger ale in it or something, and you want a little bit of more sweetness, that's a good time to put in bourbon whiskey because that will give you that flavor. Lastly, you will need rosemary syrup, but what you actually need for this is you need rosemary, you need tap water, and you need some table sugar. We are going to make the rosemary syrup as a first step to this process. As far as tools, you're going to need some kind of shaking device for your cocktail. You can use a set of shaking tins. If you want to buy one, 
just Google like a Boston shaker. A Boston shaker is the kind that you should use. If you have a cocktail shaker already, that's great. Let's use that. You can also use, as I did in college when I didn't have one of these, a big plastic cup and a slightly smaller plastic cup. All that you really need is for the cups to be able to fit together tightly and make a seal. And if you can get that, then you've got a shaker no matter what. So no worries if you don't want to go out and buy shaking tins, even though they're like $15 or something cheap. You can cobble one together at home using two plastic cups as long as one's a little bigger, one's a little smaller. They fit together and make a seal. That's the important thing. If they don't make a seal, you're going to spill the drink all over yourself and not get to enjoy it. And that would be sad. Then you're also going to need some kind of measuring device. For cocktail making, we use a device called a jigger. A jigger is basically two little cups of a certain amount stuck bottom to bottom with each other. You'll see bartenders using them all the time when they're making you drinks. It's that little hourglass-shaped kind of cuppy thing. Usually, there will be either a two-ounce cup attached to a one-ounce cup or a one-ounce cup attached to a half-ounce cup. doesn't really matter which one you use for this recipe. You just need something that can measure fluid ounces, which would be a jigger. Okay, so before we get into the actual making of the drink, let's talk about where this drink came from, how I came up with it, and what it is. Because if you want to start experimenting with your own drink ideas, this will give you sort of a starting place from which you can begin playing around. So in the cocktail world, there are sort of four categories of cocktails. Now, that's not to be limiting. It's just a useful way to think about things. And there are two that we think of sort of in our everyday lives. The main two are aromatic drinks and sour drinks. An aromatic drink is basically a cocktail that doesn't have citrus in it. So you could think of a classic martini. You could think of an old-fashioned. You could think of a Negroni or a Sazerac or something like that. So those are all drinks where there's no contribution from citrus. And in most drinks, you're going to have some acid component, some tartness component. Now, when I say acid, I'm thinking about it in a way that we think about it when we're cooking, like a tomato counts as an acid, right? So there are different flavors of it from tomato all the way to like a really tart lemon or a lime. But almost every drink is going to have some kind of acidic component to it. And what differentiates aromatics from sours is that aromatics don't use citrus and sours do use citrus. I would say that if you're going out and you just want like an easily sippable drink, most of the time you're going to have a sour because that's what they are. Aromatic drinks tend to be slightly more of an acquired taste, but they're really, really good. We will talk about those more at a later time. For right now, what you need to know is that a sour drink fundamentally is a base spirit citrus juice of some kind, usually going to be lemon or lime because those are going to be the tart or drinks. You can also use grapefruit. Orange kind of doesn't count because it's mostly a sweet citrus. It's not really very tart, but it does count. And then usually simple syrup. Simple syrup is just basically thick sugar water that you can make on your stove. I'm going to teach you how to do that as well as the rosemary syrup. And it helps to sweeten the drink a little bit, make it more palatable, balance everything out and glue the drink together. It's kind of like salt in cooking. The way that salt makes flavors pop out, the same thing with a little bit of simple syrup, a little bit of sweetness, will make the rest of the flavor in the drink pop. So then that gives you a whole bunch of room to tinker around with drinks that you like. You can take vodka and you can put grapefruit juice in it. Boom, you have a vodka grapefruit. You can take bourbon and put lemon juice in it and some syrup, and then you've got a gold rush, which is the proper name of a drink that I've been calling something else for a long time. You can take 
gin and put lime juice in it and you've got a gimlet. Like there's all these different combinations. And so for me, I like to make sour drinks because one, citrus is usually on hand. That's just something that I really like and that's something that I do. And two, in aromatic drinks, like martinis, for example, the ingredients tend to be things that you wouldn't necessarily have on hand. I don't have any vermouth in the house. That's not something that I'm used to buying. Same thing with a lot of liqueurs like Campari and all these kinds of things that are used in aromatic drinks. I just don't really have those around. So it's a lot harder for me to play with the idea of creating aromatic drinks. Whereas if I have some lime juice in the house and any of my base spirits, I can start to play and try things out. So that's why I like to make those. And that's why I think that they're a good place to start if you want to experiment with drink making. So if you're interested in the other drink types uh, of the four that I mentioned, we already talked about aromatics and sours. The other two are highballs. So those are weirdly grouped, not by what they're made of, but by the glass that they come in. So these are things that are come in like really tall glasses. You could think of a Tom Collins lemonade, which is basically a gin and lemonade drink. You could think of a Pim's cup. If you don't know what that is, check it out. Uh, I'll link in the description of this episode. It's a cool drink. A mojito is actually a classic highball drink, although it does kind of fall into the sour category because it has lime juice in it. But anyway, it's kind of a weird distinction. And then the last group is hot drinks, so like a hot toddy. Those are just sort of in their own class. So now let's make a love grows parentheses where my rosemary goes. We are going to start with the rosemary infused syrup because that needs to take some time to cool. Now, to make rosemary syrup, you need to know how to make regular simple syrup. Sugar doesn't dissolve into water very easily. We can't just dump some sugar into our cocktail. So what we're gonna do is we're going to dissolve it into some water first. And once you do that, it goes in like a snap, it's perfect. And regular simple syrup, if you ask somebody on the street who might know something, they will probably tell you that it's just one-to-one -one sugar to water. And that is true, technically speaking. However, if you don't know this about me, I am a chemistry major, and I can tell you that I spend a lot of time mixing things together <laughs> for my coursework. And there are different ways to do something one-to-one. -one. You could do it equal parts by volume. You could do it equal parts by weight. You could do it equal parts by mass, which is actually different than weight. You could mix, so you could do one-to-one -one weight per volume. It's a whole thing. I've made a lot of solutions in my life. Wasn't very fun, but it is informing you now, so it was worth it, I guess. So when we say that simple syrup is one-to-one -one sugar, table sugar, to water, what we actually mean is that it's one-to-one -one by weight, and that actually means that it's not quite so easy to just concoct in terms of the ratios, because when we're cooking, if you think about like a cup of something, for example, we tend to cook based on volumes a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, which of course will make it harder for you in the kitchen. But don't worry, I have made it super duper easy for you because I like to work in cups or volume units and I don't have a baking scale. So I have calculated it out for you. And if you measure it out based on the densities of sugar and water, to make a one-to-one -one weight mixture of sugar and water, you just take one part volume to five-sixths parts volume. So you're going to do a cup of water, five-sixths of a cup of sugar. All that is, is you take a third of a cup twice, that's two-thirds, and then you add a half of a third of a cup to it, 
or if you have a sixth cup, that's great. And there you go. So to make regular syrup, you take your one cup water at room temperature, you take your five sixths of a cup of sugar, table sugar, just regular white sugar, put it in a saucepan, and then you're going to put it on the stove. And the trick to making simple syrup, because any persnickety chemist will tell you, now hold on a second. If you're going to put it on the stove and boil it, some of that water is going to evaporate. And then your, your ratio is all fucked up. You don't want to fuck up the ratio. I get it. I'm a chemist. I appreciate consistency and precision. I'm all in favor of that. I'm also lazy as hell. And I don't want to do the alternative. If you really, really want to be precise about it, what you should do is combine the water and table sugar in a blender. Blend, because it will stir them up and dissolve them into each other, not using heat. And your ratio will be more pure. However, I think it's ridiculous to dirty an entire blending container just to make some simple syrup, which is also sticky and sometimes hard to wash out. You usually need to dishwash for this. So we're going to do it on the stove where it's much easier to clean. So you're going to put your saucepan with your one cup water, five, six cup sugar on the stove. You're going to turn the heat on very low and you're going to slowly bring the heat up until it looks like the little bubbles are forming on the bottom of the saucepan, like your pot's getting ready to boil in a few minutes. And then you want to back the heat off so that those bubbles stay away. And then you're just going to stir and keep stirring and stirring. And eventually after about 10 or so minutes, if you're doing this amount, it'll take longer if you're doing more. Eventually, you'll see all the little grains of sugar on the bottom will dissolve into the water. And then you have simple syrup. You let it cool. You put it in a bottle. You store it in the fridge. Boom. You got simple syrup. Okay. The reason that we do this is because for me, it gives the best of both worlds. You're not going to lose very much volume from your mixture. Your ratio of one to one weight per weight is going to be pretty solid, but you also don't have to clean a fucking blender. It's amazing. And it doesn't take that much longer than just boiling it. And you don't risk like burning anything. It's just kind of better on all fronts. To make the rosemary simple syrup, that's regular simple syrup, all you have to do is chop up, I would say, four or five sprigs of rosemary beforehand. You're always going to want to use more than you think you need. You're going to look at all the rosemary you have and you're going to be like, Daniel, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. No, it's not crazy. Trust me. If you want that rosemary flavor to cut through a little bit, you want to use a lot of it in the mixture. Four to five sprigs, remove all the little rosemary leaves, throw the stems out. Those are gross. We hate those. And chop up the rosemary, throw it in with your mixture before you start heating it. Boom, heat it, stir it around. You'll see the syrup changes to a kind of a goldeny color. You got it. Let it sit, let it cool, let it hang out. You can even let it hang out overnight with the rosemary in it if you really want to infuse that flavor. Then when you're ready, just pour it through a strainer to filter the rosemary out. You got rosemary syrup. It's that easy. Okay, now let's build our drink. So I'm going to walk you through how I build this drink. And I'm going to also teach you like my strategy when I'm doing this, because I actually do have a strategy. By now, your rosemary syrup should be cool. You're going to need some ice. If you have an ice tray, make sure you've got like five or six cubes in there. If you have an ice maker in your fridge, great. Hooray. Good for you. So first things first, all you have to do is take those five or six cubes of ice, put them in one of your shaker tins or one of your cups. The conventional wisdom is that you use one of the smaller ones. You don't really have to do it that way. I have not found a compelling reason to do it that way. That's just what I was taught. But you put it in one of them, take your pick. 
in case you were wondering. Yes, I did drop some ice on the floor. Then we're going to start with our first ingredient, which is the bitters. You're going to use three to six dashes of that. Now, why start with the bitters? I like to have an order of operations when I'm making drinks so that I know that I'm in the right spot. I haven't messed anything up. And the order that I will usually go is bitters or any like really small amount of a thing that needs to go in. I'll put in first. That comes from making old fashions. That's just how I remember. Bitters or any like really, really strong things go in first. Then base spirit. In this case, our base spirit is the rye whiskey. We're going to need one and a half ounces of the rye whiskey. Put that in your cup with your ice and your bitters. My next in my order of operations is my citrus. I'm going to do three quarter of an ounce of lime juice. If you like a really tart drink, you can add and make it one ounce. That's what you're going to do. So pour that in there. Next, I'll put in any additional spirits like liqueurs. We don't have any in this particular drink, but like if you're making a margarita, for example, a lot of times a margarita will contain triple sec or Cointreau. I will put that in at this step in the process because that's just how I remember it. I don't have a reason. I just know that what goes last is the next thing and that's got to go last. And that thing is the syrup. So for me, syrup always goes last. That's just how I remember it. So we're going to do another three-quarter ounce of the rosemary syrup. We're not going to put the ginger beer in at this stage because it's going to fizz if we shake it up, and that's not going to be very fun. So bitters, base, citrus, syrup, that's how you can remember it, or the longer version, bitters, base, citrus, liqueur, syrup. Boom, you're done. You got it. So now is the point where we shake. It's going to get loud for a second. So what you want to do is you want to take your second cup. You have your first cup with all the mixture in it on the table or the island or the work surface, wherever you're working. You're going to put the second cup over the top of it, the bigger one. And you're going to kind of smack it down a little bit. That works with the metal shakers, not always with the plastic cups. But you basically want to press until you get that seal nice and tight and you know that it's locked in. And now we shake. You want to shake it for a good few seconds, get some nice shakes in there. I tend to shake with the cups sort of parallel to the floor, back and forth motion. Some people you'll see shake up and down. I don't think it really makes a big difference, but that's how I shake. Then you want to break it open. You hear that seal pop, pull one of the cups out. And then if you can, strain the drink into a cup with fresh ice because it will be less of a watery drink that way. If you don't have a strainer, that's okay. Just dump the whole mixture with the ice into your cup that you're going to drink out of. And now we're going to top that cup with ginger beer. If you're using like a regular small glass, like you would be served a cocktail in, in a restaurant, you'll notice that we didn't use quite as much of the amounts of ingredients to fill the cup. That's intentional so that there's space for the ginger beer to come in and fill that role. We're going to top with ginger beer, give it a little stir to mix the whole thing up, garnish with some rosemary. And there you have it. That is a love grows where my rosemary goes. Now, if you don't have any ginger beer in the house and you want a full drink's worth of this, you can make a slightly revised version. Instead of one and a half ounces of your rye whiskey, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, and three quarters of an ounce rosemary syrup, you just bump everything up a little bit. Two ounces rye whiskey, one ounce fresh lime juice, one ounce rosemary syrup, 
and you get a full-size cocktail out of it. So that is it for this bonus episode audio guide. If you liked this, we can do more of them in the future. Let us know. If you have any questions about cocktail making or what bar set you should buy or how to make a specific drink, you can email us. We are on Instagram at Drunk Law School, Twitter at Drunk Law Pod. Please follow us. Please rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app or whatever podcast app you use. It really does help us out. It helps people find the show when they search, and we would really appreciate it. It would mean the world to us. Megan and I will be back a week from today. Stay tuned. Stay safe, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the summer, and see you next class for Drunk Law School.